Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Uh, oh, and if I didn't <laughs> say it before, I'll say it again. My name's Matt. I'm about kicking ass, taking names, and we're making podcasts! <laughs> Woo! I love it. I love it. Man, good energy today. I know. I'm feeling good. It's our second recording of the day. It's high yeah. octane. Speed-based yeah. momentum. <laughs> yeah, we uh, just recorded on uh, some really awesome video game news, talked about E3 a little bit. And today's topic, or rather the topic that we're recording right now, is very much revolving around uh, iconic E3 moments like the one Matt just reenacted just now. Matt, who said that? Uh, Big Daddy Reggie Afisaime, if I said that correctly. <laughs> That's right. R Reggie Fisame. Fisame. It's like a silent L, basically. Um, with the hyphen, which is really badass. I love that as a concept, actually, a silent L. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Reggie you think of an L, you think of like, oh, a loss, right? Like, oh, that was an L, bro. A silent L. That's hot. That's right. That's hot. <laughs> we don't talk about it enough. But real quick, before we jump into everything here today, um, I want to give a quick little, you know, a little um, think of what we usually do, get all of our announcements out of the way by announcements. I mean, plugs. So everyone, as always, um, we haven't already tell a friend about the podcast. We'd love um, for you to help spread the word. We love hearing from all of you and, um, and getting more people in our little community we have going here really makes both Lucas and myself happy and um, just, yeah, grows the awesome community that we already have. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TFP Podcast. It's at TFP Podcast with an S at the end. And in the link tree there, you can find links to our Discord. Coming up, the Discord's a good time. Best place to get in touch with both myself and Lucas. That's um, right. If you want, get you just an email at thanksforplaying.live, or excuse me, thanksforplaying at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also go to our website, thanksforplaying.live, where you can also find um, the link to our Discord, as well as some photos of Lucas and I trying to look hard as fuck. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, all right. Today's topic, Reggie Fisame, uh, legendary, legendary Nintendo executive, um, president of Nintendo America for over 16 years and uh, was welcomed by open arms into the gaming community with that very, very famous quote. It's actually kind of pretty iconic at this point um, and memed on and just ta talked about even today. Um, Reggie actually just came out with a book uh, about a month ago this past May called Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo. Uh, Reggie, you know, has been making the rounds on all the regular podcast interviews. He just did an interview a few months ago at South by Southwest. Uh, he was on a podcast I like called, um, well, podcast with Dak Shepard and uh, just a bunch of different places all over the internet. I actually did a Nintendo voice chat interview with IGN uh, recently, too, also to promote the book. So Reggie's definitely working his way back into the zeitgeist to promote this one. And uh, I just thought, you know, I've been wanting to do an episode on Reggie for a little while. I was actually surprised that we hadn't done one on him. I actually texted Matt like, yo, have we done one on Reggie yet? He's like, nope, don't think so. And I said, all right, well, that's the next one that we're going to be doing. And, um, you know, just did a lot of research on the guy. Uh, I've always been a fan of him uh, from a public facing standpoint, but really learned a lot about him from uh, his recent interviews and some of his uh, videos out there online. And wow, really, really awesome guy that we're totally going to dive into. Uh, so Matt, Reggie truly is from the bottom to the top, are truly someone who has risen from the bottom to the top. And I mean, from the bottom, Haitian immigrant born in the Bronx, 
both of Vince's parents fleeting Haiti, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if this was a good comparison or not, but before we started recording here, I basically I said, oh, so he's basically like the Alexander Hamilton of the video game company world, um, which I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I mean, Hamilton did come from immigrants um, to America, kind of came from nothing and made his way to the top, which is very much the story of Reggie as well. Um, an extremely impressive story where, yeah, from um, Haitian immigrants born in the Bronx to going through high school, going through college, all this good stuff, getting these crazy marketing jobs at a very young age and eventually landing himself in Nintendo where he rose to the ranks to get into uh, the uh, upper echelon there, if you will. So yeah. excited to to dig into it. Extremely impressive human being, wonderful human being, always seems just very warm and homey. Yeah. And uh, every every interview you've seen him in, barring like his first introduction, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excited to, to learn a bit more today and talk yeah. about him. Totally. Uh, you know, Reggie went to high school in Long Island, uh, played sports and and found friends as, you know, probably one of the only brown kids in his neighborhood. And um, Reggie's tall, you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's born an athlete, actually played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, he's currently 61 years old and looks great, honestly. I don't know, just any, <laughs> if you just look at any modern interviews of him, it's insane. I thought he was Which like Which is 50. remarkable too, because... It's not like he was living a very carefree, casual life. Like this is a guy that was working 70, 80 hour weeks. And uh, I was watching a little video you sent me, Lucas, on him. And something I loved, I had this mentality was that I'm never going to ask like my employees to do something I wouldn't do. So he was right. saying we need to like crunch and like work, you know, hello overtime, whatever to get this done. You know, he's right. He was right there with them on the long nights, long weekends, you know, so Man is um, exactly. man's a beast. Yeah, man's a beast. He practiced, and he was a jock. Is what he preached. And he was a jock. He played basketball yeah. and he played soccer. Actually, mm, when he I was in it. high school. And uh, one thing he said in his interviews that was great was, despite him being uh, probably you know one of the few minorities in his neighborhood, uh, he found comfort in you know making friends with like-minded people. So people that were oriented towards academics, people that were oriented towards sports and athletics. Uh, and he, he did very well in high school. I mean, he did well enough to get himself into Cornell in 1979 and graduate in 1983 with a bachelor's in applied economics and management. So not too shabby, uh, honestly. Uh, and, you know, I, I, we'll get into a little bit later, but he still does work with Cornell now and um, is finding ways to reach out to the, to the very same students that went to his high school, um, reaching out and doing a lot of really great charity work um, in the Bronx. Uh, so, you know, great human being, even now in retirement, um, as we'll get into it. Um, Reggie went on to work at Procter & Gamble in brand management shortly after college, uh, and then actually moved on to Pizza Hut a few years later as their senior director of national marketing and, and was with Pizza Hut pretty much all throughout the 90s, where he launched the Bigfoot Pizza, which was a huge pizza with uh <laughs> this was this is actually a really interesting one. I went back and I linked the YouTube video here, Matt, if you want to watch the commercial there. Mm -hmm. But um back in the 90s, there was a marketing campaign for what was called the Bigfoot Pizza that Pizza Hut was doing. And um the way Reggie had talked about it, it was it was during a recession. Um, you know, a lot of families were looking to eat for cheap. And what they did was, you know, they they took lower quality ingredients and uh kind of built a six foot long what they call the Bigfoot pizza. Um, and the commercial is so 90s out. It's just kids like basically just screaming in a classroom. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but it was a great marketing campaign, obviously very uh, indicative of the time. 
and uh, just a great overall product that could have been made for the time. It was massively successful. Uh, as a six foot, six topping pizza for like $11 back in 1990, which would be about 25 bucks in today's money. Uh, so 25 bucks in today's money to feed an entire family is pretty good. Um, just thinking about things in terms of like Dude, how I'm you feed. I'm sure you're getting at least three meals out of a family. Yeah, it's six, foot, six pizza. foot long. Are you kidding me? That's insane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I can get, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't actually take the time to look at what Pizza Hut's really charging now, but I mean, it might be 20 bucks for a large topping pizza. Uh, and you're not going to get six toppings for, for oh, that for much sure. money. So it's not going to be a six foot pizza either. Yeah. So G genius moved there while at Pizza Hut in the nineties. And just for anybody, go look up the Bigfoot pizza commercial. It's a, it's a good time. Um, Reggie also worked, uh, after this at Guinness Panda Express and VH1 and had great successes in different ways, different ways, uh, with all those different companies. And, uh, in fact, you're kind of seeing a, a pattern emerging of with Guinness and Panda really thinking about things from an international point of view and, you know, how do products work with different audiences across the globe? Uh, one thing he talked about in his interview, uh, at, with Dak Shepard was with Guinness specifically. And, you know, when you're thinking about Guinness, you're you're thinking about sort of the vibe of getting a Guinness poured in a very specific way at a pub, right? And there's actually a whole vibe, you know, for those of you that know, Guinness has to be poured a very specific way. It's got to be served in a very specific kind of glass and you got to have it in a certain kind of place, right? Well, Reggie was responsible for some marketing campaigns back then that had to do with a reinvention or reimagining of the Guinness can in America in order to try to better emulate what it was like to have it actually served in a pub. So even back then, he was really thinking about taking what made something good to its core audience or its core originating culture, and then marketing it and putting it into a space for a broader audience that could be that could enjoy this thing anywhere. Uh, and so we're seeing an indication of what kind of success he's probably going to have when it comes to Nintendo in 2003. Right? And I think the thing that strikes me with Reggie first is... Number one, he looks different for most executives. You know, he's tall. Yeah. He's he's super tall. He's dark skinned. Um, he's really out there. He's got a great voice. Um, of course, we always like to think, or at least this is my instinct, and I think you hear this a lot, that executives are really the enemy of creativity. You know, they're looking out for the bottom line. They're always, uh, you know, looking for what will make the most money or, uh, you know, let's just... Release. Yeah, I mean, I think a great example just to kind of expand what you're getting into with that is when we were for when Cyberpunk first came out, right? And we were critical of it. Totally. The whole narrative that people like us were pushing were oh, must have just been all those greedy, stupid business executives didn't care about the final product, just wanted to push their game out in time for a holiday, get their, you know, get their quick paycheck, whatever. Whereas Reggie is just the complete, complete opposite of that kind of executive. Yeah, totally. And we even heard um, in a recent Watchdog report that we were doing um, of Nintendo of America's current business practices kind of being really wonky. Um, you know, we had an episode from a few uh, few weeks ago and, you know, uh, Nintendo of America can have some problems because there's contract workers and the internal employees like there's kind of a separation there. And, you know, the contract workers don't feel like they're part of the team and all that kind of stuff. And Reggie talks about that in his book and really talks about how when he was there, one of his priorities was coaching, mentorship, leadership, enablement. And um, I think things have really changed since he left at Nintendo of America because, you know, when he was there, he was certainly promoting from within. Uh, he was definitely elevating internal employees and making everyone feel included as much as possible, which is all the stuff you want to hear. So as far as executives go, Reggie just feels and comes across as, as one of the good ones. Um, 
And, you know, he's wearing a suit and he doesn't make the character. He didn't make Mario, you know, he didn't make right. Link or anything, but he's responsible for their success and their enablement as a whole. Right. And to me, like the things that he oversaw, like he was around for the launch of the Nintendo DS and the Nintendo Wii. And those are cultural icons for sure. Uh, like, I mean, my childhood was built with the Nintendo DS and the Nintendo Wii. And when Reggie came on in 2003, Nintendo was really not in like the best position in the market, mm -hmm. you know, and he talks about that a lot in his book and in all of his interviews, you know, the PS2 was out, the Xbox came out, uh, Nintendo was viewed as like a very conservative Japanese company that was really insular, making games for like little kids and with these like little characters. I mean, you gotta think 2003, like Halo, I mean, like the dominant thing, cultural yeah. icon was like Halo. And, you know, young adults were now getting into online gaming. What was Nintendo going to do? And, you know, Reggie came on board and his big bold introduction was E3 2004, where he said that line, uh, my name's Reggie, I'm about kicking ass, taking names, and we're about making games. Uh, really, really bold move from a traditionally conservative company for sure. Yeah, and just to kind of expand too on the DS and the Wii a little bit. I mean, at least with the Wii too, it's kind of hard to understate just how like big of a deal this was. I mean, especially in the day and age back then, where it wasn't like today, where yeah, no one can get their hands on a PS Five or Xbox or whatever, but you can just kind of go in a waiting queue online. Like, I remember back then, like I'd wake up early with my parents to go sit outside the Circuit City to try and get our hands on a Wii. Right? Yeah, like, same. It was. It was, it was intense. Like, everyone wanted this thing. And then I forget the first night we had that we and my mom and dad were playing Wii Tennis. And God bless my mom, really into tennis, plays a lot, actually. So, you know, she's throwing out this backhands like she was actually playing tennis. <laughs> Smacks my poor dad in the face. And God damn, if that didn't ruin the night. But whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> a great amazing. memory. Um, it's amazing. It's like exactly like the, like, exactly what they warn you not to do when you're playing a Wii. <laughs> Just, and she did it. So funny, but... Yeah, I mean, he's just very much like an icon in that sense that he brought these things to the forefront and kind of became the face of Nintendo, even though he wasn't really like the one to make in these games per se, but he was the ones pushing them out. And something I really like you mentioned is how like Nintendo had up to that point been very insular, right? And we can kind of get into this more, but he kind of, you know, I think switched their narrative around with games in general, where he was trying to make it a much more inclusive environment, right? Where... You know, oh, games just don't have to be for brooding old nerds, right? Like, you know, games can yeah. be for everyone. Games can be for girls. Games can be for guys. Games can be for 10-year-olds. Games can be for 20-year-olds. It could be for anyone. And I think that's just a very important thing. It's something that has definitely become, I'd say, as a whole, contagious, you know, in the gaming sphere. So Exactly. Exactly. I think Nintendo has, and, you know, this whole project and researching Reggie, uh, really reminded me of how much, uh, you know, I grew up as a Nintendo kid. I've always loved Nintendo. And uh, this just reminded me of how how truly revolutionary they were in like the 2000s era. I think it was really, I mean, I was young, um, but it wasn't as apparent to me as it is now. I mean, think about this, you know, we had PS2, PS3, PS4, and we have PS5s right now. Looking back on the PS3, I, I, I mean, PS2 is great. It was probably one of the first like consoles where I really felt like a big, a big upgrade. But I mean, thinking about like the like the PS3, right? It just feels like another stepping stone in power between a PS2 and a PS4. And the PS5 just feels like the next stepping stone there. But something like the Wii, 
just feels like it, there was a time and a moment where it dominated and everything was like revolving around that sort of thing. It was hard to get. It was fun to play. I remember building me's in my living room with my parents on Thanksgiving, playing <laughs> like like doing boxing and tennis. And then like when Brawl came out, you know, it was like motion controls with like Zelda. I mean, it really was like totally different. And I mean, we don't see a ton of innovation nowadays it like the the jump from what the gamecube was to what the wii be, what the wii was was massive and like probably a bigger leap than any other consoles have had since i don't think anything has ever like gone that other way and been as successful since uh so just just seriously amazing and reggie was up there presenting it you know and like he wasn't just presenting it he was playing the wii on stage he was mm -hmm. playing the games you know and uh at at that e3 when the the nintendo wii was announced and even something like like naming it the Wii, right? You have PlayStation, you have Xbox, you have PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, you got all these powerhouses kind of coming around. And Nintendo goes the opposite direction and creates something kind of cutesy like the Wii and launches a marketing campaign that's we would like to play, which is just like Japanese men going into American people's houses and playing the Wii. I mean, just that, I the way of thinking like a marketing executive to say, you know, this is what we have to do to market this thing. This is what we have to do to to get it out there and get people excited about it. I think all the right moves were made at that time. It wasn't just the motion controls and what it was. It was the presentation of the console and it was the presentation and the marketing of it to an American audience as well and, and a broad audience, you know, overseas with Europe and everything. But yeah, Reggie, that's all. That's so much of Reggie, you know, and, and what what he was doing there at those E3s. And, um, you know, what Nintendo does over the next decade, uh, a lot of it was, like I said, these really cool decisions that were made. So, for instance, uh, they always felt, and this is Nintendo as a whole and Reggie enabling it as well, is they felt that gaming could reach audiences that really were not in, like, the common thinking of who could reach. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, retired people. Like, Reggie urged... Nintendogs to be at like retired folks conferences across America, right? And like there was Wii's in retirement homes, like all over the place, balance boards, Wii bowling, Wii sports, and all that stuff. That was not an accident. You know, those are calculated things that happen to reach those marketplaces and, you know, to reach those demographics. That's, that's something that has to really be done. Um, so Nintendo and Reggie were very instrumental in you know, getting a different segment of audiences into gaming. Reggie brought up at a South by Southwest interview a couple months ago, Brain Age, where they worked with an actual neuroscientist in Japan to create a game that was all about exercising your brain on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's I, so incredible to me. <laughs> yeah, think about that. And this is, you know, this is before like smartphones. This is before anything kind of, you know, anything like that. So, you know, here, here was the DS that was a, a first commercially available handheld device that was touchscreen. Touchscreen devices were very like niche back then. Some PDAs, premium PDAs had touchscreens. No phones really had touchscreens back then. There was no tablets. So the Nintendo DS comes out as the first commercially widespread touchscreen. And they create something called Brain Age. It was almost gimmicky, right? Yeah, I remember. It wasn't because it was good. Yeah. Exactly. And it was, I mean, they made it, they remade it six times. It was like six or seven times. DS, DSi, DSi XL, DS Lite, DS Lite XL, like <laughs> 3DS. I mean, 
it has been a, is technically a, a, a different console. console. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's been a widely successful product of Nintendo's. I know I bought two, years. you know, I had a, the OG DS. I remember I got a Mario Kart bundle, so it had like a bright red one. Nice. And then, uh, you know, that thing was like a chunky monkey. Right. And then, yeah. and then I moved on to, um, a DS Lite eventually. DS lights were so great. So much Pokemon on that bad boy. Yeah. And then I uh, moved on to a 3DS, which I bought almost solely just so I could play, you guessed it, Kingdom Hearts 3DS when that nice. came out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> One of the hardest Kingdom Hearts games, actually, little known, actually probably known fact, but yeah. That's, was that 358 days? 358 no, days? No, so that one came out for the DS. I actually haven't played that one. I just watched like all the cutscenes so I could get the story, but no, there's one called um, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance 3D. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so that was a fun one. So wow, yeah, their uh, DS really has a has had a really long life cycle. That's insane. Um, just thinking about like, you know the what's crazy. Era, Here's a uh, fun the story. Hearts. I was uh, I was uh, I saw I was at a family gathering the other this last weekend. I saw like my aunt and uncle and my cousins for the first time in like almost two years. And um, I was hanging out with I guess my second cousin, my cousin's kid. Is that right? My second cousin. Your your cousin's kid would be your second cousin. Yeah. yeah. So he's like six. Um, he's playing like Nintendo Switch, right? We we're playing Mario Kart. And then I was talking with um, my older cousin. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to play this on my DS like back in the day and on that Mario Kart, right? And I asked um, my, I want to say nephew, but I know he's not. My second, he feels like a nephew. I asked my second right. cousin, Easton, I'm like, yo, Easton, do you, have you ever heard of um, a Nintendo DS? He's just like, what's that? Oh, that's so weird. Like, and that then he so proceeded weird. to kick my ass at Mario Kart on the Switch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Is that laughs> Never a good feeling. <laughs> Not a good feeling yeah. when uh, the kids are beating us at video games. <laughs> uh, so uh, back to Reggie. Uh, he was talking about this at uh, South by Southwest a couple months ago. Uh, when Brain Age was being developed, uh, Reggie actually did have input on that game. And he, he actually really pushed for Sudoku to be included in Brain Age. Because uh, he saw that Sudoku was just becoming so popular in Western audiences and it was in the papers. And I remember doing a lot of Sudoku actually when I was even in sixth grade and middle school. Um, one of my math teachers, actually, funny enough, in middle school, you could do Sudoku puzzles for extra credit if you wanted to. Like if you, you know, wanted some extra points that you would have lost on a test, which is really cool. So back then, Sudoku was becoming a really big thing. He pushed for it to be on Brain Age, and of course, it was on Brain Age. And he actually said in this interview that if Brain Age were to come out today, he'd push oh, for that. Wordle, Wordle <laughs> to be on it. Like that's a true marketer like brain right there. And like a developer might not really think that the, the brains at Nintendo might not realize that that's a a, a way into their audience and right. a way to make it even more widespread. I mean, just adding Sudoku on Brain Age, which wasn't even really that hard for them to do would have created a huge audience inclusion. And I, I should use this opportunity to mention, we do have a guest the Wordle channel in our Discord. So again, do. come hang out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> plug it any chance I can get. <laughs> yeah, I think Wordle, uh, I mean, Wordle is still going pretty strong as a as a popular, as a pop culture thing. So My I mom think, plays uh, it every day. I get a text nice. every day. Did you do the Wordle today, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, back through this whole era of Reggie, the Reggie-lution, as people used to call it, um, he oversaw the launch of the Nintendo DS and all of its other products uh, and the Wii. And unfortunately, the launch of the Wii U, which he admits was uh, just just not right. 
Um, he didn't he didn't go into a ton of it when he was on the interviews that I listened to. He just pretty much said that not all innovations are really going to knock it out of the park, and that was a that was just a failure is, is what he straight up said. Um, but you know he did oversee famously the the launch of the balance board for the Wii in two thousand seven, and uh, famously says when he goes on stage to show the balance board, my body is ready. Uh, and people say that today. <laughs> he says, okay, Reggie, step up on the balance board. And he says, my body is ready. <laughs> it's like, what? Is that, <laughs> Did he really say that? Is yeah. that the, uh, is that the origin of that? Yeah, that's where it came from. My body is ready. <laughs> and like people say that all the time. I feel like people say that like whenever any, anything gets announced, whenever like a new game trailer comes out, like there's always going to be a YouTube comment that says my body is ready. Um, it's great. It's great. Um, and That's such a good saying. <laughs> it's awesome. So, you know, been responsible for a lot of really great moments, uh, with gaming news and, and E3 in general. And, uh, he even talks about like, before he went on, this was a, a cool thing that he had mentioned in one of his interviews. I think this might've been on a, a Nintendo voice chat interview or no, this was, uh, it's so funny. You, I'm looking through all these Reggie interviews. Turns out G4 has a YouTube channel. Did you know this, Matt? No, I did not. G4 has a YouTube channel and they have a show called X Play, which is, I think, more of like an interview show with like an audience. Yeah, G4 and TV, like right? G4 TV. I, I, yeah, yeah, G4, yeah. the TV channel, has a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah. So they had an interview with Reggie that's pretty recent. And um, it was funny. Reggie said, uh, Oh, I'm excited to be back into the G4 studios. You know, I used to come on here when it was way back in the day, G4 in like the 2000s, you know, back when G4 was actually a channel on TV and it was pretty good uh, before it just started playing reruns of cops for some reason. Uh, anyway, Reggie talked about how, uh, you know, well, you know, the joy it's really been kind of marketing these things and really becoming a part of the community. Uh, and like he's fully embraced the whole like my body is ready meme the I'm about kicking ass and taking names we're about making video game stuff and it's just so such a joy to see somebody who just had such a great career is really grateful for having such a great career and has mm -hmm. moved on with such grace um, into the point where he's written his his business memoir which is what you do uh, when you do retire as an executive from a large company and um, and he's just done a really great job. And, you know, over the last few years, he's really uh, gone back to the Bronx, Bronx, uh, Cornell, working with students to make an impact uh, and show them that you can, you know, you if you're smart, you hit the books, you do well academically, uh, and you work hard, you can really uh, rise up to the top and a lot of mentorship programs he's really getting interested in. And uh, he's just been doing a really awesome job post retirement for sure. Just a great human. Yeah, absolutely. he's been on uh, IGN's show recently. The um, oh wow, the name escapes me. The like Nintendo Shark Tank. Voice Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the video game pitch show that we talked mm -hmm. about. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool one. Uh, so he's he's definitely in the space. I think he'll always kind of be in the space. Um, you know, he found a home within the games industry, and he's just such a beloved a beloved person. And you know, he his his reasons for retirement were actually uh, pretty heartfelt. You know, back in 2015, uh, Nintendo and the whole gaming world lost uh, Satoru Iwata, you know, who passed away at an early age due to complications from a, a tumor, you know, and Reggie was very public in a speech about Iwata being a mentor, uh, you know, his, his direct boss at Nintendo for his years there, but also just a, a friend 
to him. And uh, he choked up at, at a video game award speech he made the year the year following. And, um, you know, Iwata's death being, you know, a little bit younger than Reggie or around the same age, just kind of hit him differently uh, and made him really rethink what he wanted to do with his life and the things he wanted to focus on, the types of work he wanted to do was just not possible in his, uh, you know, capacity as the president of Nintendo. So he decides to retire. You know, he before retirement age, he's he's in his 60s and he's on boards. You know, he's on he was on the GameStop board. Uh, he actually uh, sold his GameStop shares at like two dollars or something. I oh, think no. no, he left the GameStop board when it was at like two two dollars and something. And uh, they asked him, like in the South by Southwest interview, it like, how do you feel about that? And he's like, we're not going to get into what I sold at or what I bought at, or when I got in, or he's like, we're not going to get, we're not going to get into that. But, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> he was like, he was like, you know, I was part of, a, of, uh, tons of circles of people who just thought that GameStop was going to go bankrupt in 30 days. Who could have foreseen what was going to happen? And it's just like, yeah, yeah. I think we, I think everybody kind of thought that for sure. Yeah. Kind of um, incredible. That still God bless the meme Lords. Let's just leave yeah. it at that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one thing I thought that was really cool that Reggie brought up, and I definitely want to probably do a full episode on this. Uh, well, I want to do a full episode on Iwata because a lot of this research actually did come with some Iwata research too. So we'll, we'll go into that, into him as an individual later. But one thing that Reggie brought up just as a random point was how third-party developers are getting bought up now by major studio or major publishers like your Microsofts and your Sonys. Bethesda, Activision, you know, we've, we've been talking about that for a little while. Um, and Nintendo's been doing that the whole time, right? Where there's actually a very direct relationship between the people building the games for the platform and the platform mm -hmm. itself, you know? And it's kind of funny, Reggie points out, I didn't even realize that that has been the Nintendo strategy the whole time. You know, when you have your studios actually closely tied to the platform, they can develop games with less bugs, they could develop games faster. They can yeah. just create higher quality games. And, you know, Nintendo, like it or not like it, uh, they've been doing that for a very, very long time. And, you know, the, the studio that made Zelda is like called Nintendo Development Team 3. It's like not a company that, you know, did Zelda. And now Microsoft, basically Bethesda, is Microsoft Development Studio One, right? It's just, that's gonna be how it is now. So yeah, maybe yeah. you're gonna start seeing like, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe what Nintendo's been doing has been working all along and that's why their games don't have a ton of bugs and they're so fresh when they come out and they feel good when you play them. And maybe Starfield will not be as buggy be on Xbox because they're so closely tied together as studio and platform. And who knows what we'll end up seeing uh, in terms of, of of that new trend, which is actually not all that new, uh, as Reggie points out. Yeah. 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 They kind of. Um, yeah, I guess a trendsetter in that sense. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I wanted to ask you on this, Matt, you know, Nintendo and Apple are actually usually very closely compared as companies, you know, very insulated. Uh, very close to the chest of like cards, close to the chest of like what they're doing internally, uh, yet always coming up with innovative ideas, high quality products that hit a bigger market than their competitors. What do you think of that comparison just as a consumer? I think both Nintendo and Apple are extremely inclusive. I think their products are very... I don't even know how to phrase this, but uh, like with Apple, for example, I mean, 
it's it's so inclusive in a way because like an iPhone or like their products are almost bland in a way to where you can kind of project your own like personality onto them like oh like this is my Apple Watch like this is my accessory you know things like that and I think they're just super smart with their marketing and I think Nintendo has a very broad appeal as well and Apple just naturally has a very broad appeal because their products are just so kind of synonymous with daily life and yeah yeah I, uh, this is like I could write like a case study paper on the comparisons but I think it comes down to marketing I think when you look at how you know like apple has marketed itself over the years with like the iphone and stuff like that and that was first coming out and then kind of the more inclusive approach that nintendo took um like putting freaking nintendo dogs in retirement homes are you kidding me like that's you know <laughs> genius move. Just genius yeah and they clearly just had really smart people driving what they were doing um and what i think is really good about both too is they make products that can span to any generation so like you know when i was i don't know 11 or 10 you know i wasn't really like at that age where my parents were going to get me like an iphone or something right or like anything like that but they were willing to get me an iTouch, you know the mm-hmm. ipod version the ipod exclusive version um i don't know if that's the right way for you know what i mean the iTouch. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was an ipod touch it wasn't yeah, yeah. an iphone but it was an ipod touch and then in the same way, yeah, like a Nintendo Switch, you could argue is geared more towards um, like children kind of. And that Nintendo in general has a much more um, adolescent vibe to it. But I mean, an adult can totally like get a rated M game on there if you want and play that. You know, it's not like they're it's not like they're cherry picking out who gets to put games on their platform. And that makes it inclusive, too. I mean, like, I was, again, going back to this last weekend. My cousin was talking about how, like, he was stoked to get the Nintendo Switch because he'd play FIFA again, you know? My, um, the, yeah. So I think they do a very good job just being very inclusive and have very good marketing and are very good at appealing to a very broad market without having to create a billion different products to appeal to that market. They're able to make one product or two products very broadly appealing. Yeah, totally, totally. I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. Like, my and they grandma kind of detach knows themselves how to use from it. everyone too, you know, like, right. I don't, I don't feel like Apple really views them, views their competitors as like in the same space as them almost in the same way that like when I, when I think about console wars or like just game dev wars, whatever, between like Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft, it's just Microsoft versus Sony to me. And then Nintendo is just like doing their thing, having a good time. Yeah, that's how yeah, I, I feel. Don't, too. I don't even consider them in that in that space. Yeah, for sure. And they really have not been in that space since the Wii came out. I mean, mm-hmm. when they made the Wii, they just decided like, hey, we're not in this console war. We're doing our own thing. Uh, like you guys could either own an Xbox or, or a PlayStation, but you're definitely going to own a Wii, you know? And I think like to me, I, I mean, what you were talking about with like Apple and Nintendo uh, comparison is like my grandma, who's 87 years old, has an iPad and knows how to use it. It's mm-hmm. like that easy to use. And I think like one thing that I've always appreciated about about Apple's products is that is that aspect of it is that everyone truly can pick it up and just immediately use it. if you're like a kid or extremely if you're 87 user years friendly old. and Nintendo has just like nailed that as well. And like you you have to think we take these sorts of things for granted, you know, an organization has to come around and do that. You know, like UIs, like product design, all that stuff is hard. Is like, it's impossible that anything ever even gets made. And 
even on a scale that we see shipping worldwide yeah. and going to every country and having all this content or products tied to it. Yet a company like Nintendo is always thinking about, could we make the audience larger? Could we find more people who are not playing games and what kind of games could we get them to play? Okay, let's make Brain Age. Okay, let's make Nintendogs. Let's make Smash Brothers, but let's also make Mario. Let's also do like this, let's also do this like weird kind of quirky game that's like developed for maybe not even your audience, you know? Maybe not even yeah, somebody that's exactly. in like within your wheelhouse, right? Like let's let's make something crazy and weird and truly like try to make an impact and try to make something that's that's innovative and you always got to respect it right like if not every innovation is going to be great with nintendo as as like with the wii u and you know I, i'll fully admit to that failure and everything too as a nintendo fan but hey at least like nintendo's out here trying to make something different where i haven't seen anything different really get made from sony or microsoft not saying those are bad companies but um you know, it's always great. You, you you need someone like Nintendo in this space. I can't imagine a world where where they failed or where maybe things didn't go so right in the 2000s and they're not a company anymore. They're really like, you know, they're Mario, they're Zelda, they're they're Smash Bros, they're Pokemon, they're Wii U, are they're they're Wii Sports, you know. And it would be sad if we had a world where there wasn't innovative things like that uh, getting released pretty regularly. So Absolutely. shout out to Reggie for. Uh, bringing Nintendo to where it is today and shout out to Nintendo for just always, always being different and uh, knocking out of the park. Yeah. And something I just want to mention too that I really appreciate about Reggie is that like he didn't necessarily, I, don't know, I, I think maybe this is just exposure bias for me, like with the kind of people I've met, but it's not like he was some crazy guy, like, I'm going to work in the games industry. I'm going to work in the games industry, just like vying to get into it. Right. Like he had a yeah. very good career before then and probably could have had a very successful career at really any like big, you know, fortune 500 company working like as a brand marketing president or like anything like that, VP of marketing. But he just kind of, you know, fell into this role at Nintendo and just kind of really made it his own and just kind of welcomed the gaming community into his life. You know, he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like, What's the word? Um, like intrinsically, like, oh, I'm gonna do this. You know, this is my journey. You just kind of was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm gonna own it. I love this stuff. You know, and yeah. I really, he really I appreciate that too. Into his life, which I like. It wasn't yeah. like there was ever any like nefarious. Like, I'm gonna be the president of Nintendo. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just did a great job. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, all the way, all the way through. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's always great to see somebody that wasn't like a career. Like he had a lot of experience. I mean, to work at you know national our senior marketing director at pizza hut and then guinness then vh1 and then nintendo it's incredibly that's, respect impressive that. guy i yeah. think they were saying too he got accepted into that internship it was like an internship at procter gamble right yeah he, when he was like, undergrad it was yeah he was an undergrad and it was normally meant for like uh, graduate level students and master level students so it just goes to show how smart he is and i'll tell you too as someone who like you know i i did undergrad in marketing right Granted, I went to San Diego State, not freaking Cornell or whatever, but like, <laughs> it's very hard to really stand out in that kind of, you know, in, in, in that kind of study because a lot of what you learn isn't really so hard skills. It's a lot of soft skills. And so it's really being able to kind of bring himself to the forefront and kind of say, no, you need to listen to me, you know, and really get the attention to himself is just extremely impressive to me. Totally. 
All right. Uh, that about wraps it up for uh, this little profile on Reggie. Um, for any of you that are more interested, uh, definitely be linking some videos in our Discord to learn more about Reggie. Uh, there's some great interviews out there that are very recent right now just because he's been promoting his new book. And uh, if you want to get the book, uh, it is called Disrupting the Game from the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo by Reggie, which was released May 3rd. Love it. All right, everyone. Uh, this has been... Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scooby Boop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 